Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me See on the portals He's waiting and watching Watching for you and for me Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Oh, for the wonderful love. Promise for you and for me. Though we have sinned, He has mercy and pardon. Pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home. Well, happy Thanksgiving, and uh, it is that, that time of the year that we celebrate our Thanksgiving to the Lord, and in fact, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how we prepare ourselves, as we've been talking about preparation uh, for the past few weeks, how we prepare our church, how we prepare, prepare ourselves, and the word is still preparation. I believe that's what the Lord has in store for us or in mind for us, is that we prepare ourselves. So today I want to talk about how we prepare ourselves with thanksgiving and contentment. But first, I want everyone here to quote with me the verse that we committed to memorizing last Sunday. Remember that? All right, just for those that need a reminder, it's on the screen. Yes. Father, fill me with the knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen me with all power, according to your glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who qualifies us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. For you have delivered me, from the domain of darkness and transferred me into the kingdom of your beloved Son, in whom I have forgiveness, the redemption of my sin through the shed blood of Jesus. Amen. So I would encourage you to, uh, if you can't memorize it, read it daily. And if you would read it enough, guess what? You'll memorize it. It's a good prayer. It's a prayer of finding the will of God in our life. Last week we talked about that in great detail. But today we want to continue on about talking about preparation in the, in the area of being thankful. Now, and depending on where you're at in your situation today, this may be very easy for you to do or it may be a little bit more difficult. 
Giving thanks to God is quite often based upon our circumstances. But that's not what God's word bases it on. But we are human. So if life is good right now for you, that is probably easy for you to thank the Lord and be content. On the other hand, if you're going through some struggles, if, you're, if your health isn't real good, if your finances are stressed, if your family situations, relationships are stressed, um, then you, maybe you're struggling in the area of thankfulness. So we want to talk about that today. And I want to encourage you um, this morning that if you find yourself struggling in this area of being thankful and being content, I want you to know something very important. God is on your side. God is for you. He understands your feelings, right? He understands and he's not condemning you because you don't feel all the time thankful. Do you know that? He desires you to be thankful, but he's not condemning you. What he's really doing, he's saying, I will come alongside you and I will help you be thankful if you'll ask me. If you'll invite me into your situation, I'll be there. If you invite me to walk with you, I'll walk with you. If you invite me to carry you through life, I'll carry you through life. That's what he does. That's what a good father does. He comes along and he helps his children. And that's exactly what he wants to do for you today. So let's just take a minute right now. Let's just thank him. Close your eyes with me. And just in your own way, thank him for how he has carried you through this week. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your authority over all situations. Lord, we just really give you thanks today. You're so worthy, and we thank you. So in regards to how we show him thanksgiving and how we are content will help us prepare our hearts. Amen? Now let me make a couple of statements here in this area. Number one, in order for either thankfulness or contentment to be meaningful, to be meaningful, they must come from a heart that is willing in order for thankfulness and contentment to be meaningful, it must come from a willing heart. A heart that is without an agenda or any other motive that would say, what's in it for me? Or it must come from a heart that's not being manipulated into, you have to say you're thankful. Now, follow me here for a minute because it may sound like I'm counteracting myself in a minute, but just listen. So even though that the act of being thankful is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. I'm going to choose to be thankful whether I feel like it or not. That doesn't mean that I have an agenda. It doesn't mean that I have an alternative motive. It just means that I have to take authority over my life, over my feelings, and say I'm going to be thankful even though I don't feel thankful right now. Does that make sense? And I have to do it in a way that I can be honest before the Lord. Don't ever try to fool God because you can't. You can fool me, but you can't fool God. So just come to him in your humanity 
And in your weakness, and say, God, I'm struggling in the area of thankfulness right now, but I'm going to choose to be thankful. And I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I know that you're worthy of all my thanksgiving. And when I can choose that, it's kind of like reading that scripture enough. You read it enough, eventually you're going to memorize it. You say it enough, eventually you're going to believe it, even what you're saying. All right, so just keep saying it. Secondly, being thankful and being contented is a gateway or a doorway into a relationship with God like none other. You come to the Lord with thanksgiving, which is praise and thanksgiving, and you are opening up a doorway that nothing else will be able to open up like. You come to him with thanksgiving on your heart. You come to him letting him know that you believe that he really is your source of who you are, your source of identity, your source of comfort, your source of um, peace, your source of your assurance is not in your checkbook. It's not in your health. It's in Jesus. And when you come to him and acknowledge to him that Your source of who you are is him, not your circumstances. You will have a gateway into a relationship that you will never have any other way because he will look at you and he will truly call you, wow, you are my son. You are my daughter because you recognize that fact that I am who I am. I am the source. And when I can recognize that and I can get that so that it becomes a lifestyle for me, it becomes an opportunity for me to be thankful and have peace no matter what's going on in my life. No matter where I'm at, no matter the struggles that are coming, I'm going to find myself in this relationship because I have a thankful heart and I have a contented heart. I'm not anxious. James 4, 8 tells us, so give yourselves humbly to God. Humbly to God. And when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Boy, there's a promise there, isn't there? I come to the Lord humbly. I come before him. I say, Lord Jesus, I just come in my weakness. I come in my fear. I come in my doubt. I come in all that I am. And I just say, would you please, would you please, would you please hug me? (laughs) And he'll put his arms around you. And you'll say, yeah, come on, you're drawing to me. I'm going to draw you into me more than what you're coming to me with, right? And he will just give you that. He'll give you that. So a thankful heart and a contented heart and a humble heart is the way that we move into the presence of the Lord. So I just, I hope that that's, that's meaningful to you this morning. So I hope as well that I will show this morning that being thankful and content is not dependent upon our circumstances. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. We have bought into the American dream of, uh, of my circumstances determine who I am. My circumstances my, uh, is my identity. And I'm telling you, that is, that is not just the American dream. That's the enemy's dream, right? And we just have to recognize that our circumstances do not dictate to, who, uh, to me of my thanksgiving. Rather, uh, I need to gain control over those feelings, and, and I need to engage with my will 
and my faith. And I need to be thankful and content in the worst situation. And when I do that, you will find that that is the tool that the Lord uses to bring your situations back into alignment with his will. The more that I thank him in all those situations, the quicker he can use that now to bring all those things back into his will and he can make something beautiful out of chaos. He can bring something in order out of a mess, right? That's what he does. That's what he does well. In our Wednesday night Bible study, we've been talking about killing kryptonite with John Bevere and, and, and this, recently he's been talking about contentment and thankfulness and he's done a pretty good job bringing it together. Um, and in fact, I, I will say, I will agree with what John says in that we cannot be thankful without contentment. We cannot be thankful without contentment, nor can we be content without thankfulness. They go hand in hand, like a, like a hand fits into a well-fitted glove. Faithfulness and contentment work together. But, so the question is, which comes first? Am I thankful first or am I content first? Well, can I say it doesn't really matter? <laughs> because one's going to lead to the other, right? Sometimes it's easier to be content than to be thankful. And sometimes it's easier to be thankful than content, but one will lead to the other. And that's the, that's the important thing here. Let's, so let's, let's talk briefly about what does it mean to be thankful. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what does it mean to be content. Well, thankfulness is defined simply as feeling gratitude and to be glad about something. To be thankful is to have a good attitude towards something. To be thankful. Uh, to feeling gratitude. To be glad. Now, and I know that's, that's not a very... Um, enlightening definition because it's something we probably already knew, right? I don't think I told you anything there. But I can say as well that it probably is one of those things that is um, quickly forgotten about, right? We, we might know it, but yet it's easy to ignore it. <laughs> it's easy to forget about it, right? A scripture is very clear that we are to be thankful in all situations. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. It's so important that we read the words. Be thankful in all circumstances, not in the good ones, not in the easy ones, but in all circumstances. The Living Bible Translation says this, No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. No matter what happens, no matter if my checkbook is empty or my checkbook is full, be thankful. You know, whenever we're told to do something like that, it's very obvious that it's not just a feeling because I can't always control my feelings. Can you remember when you were in grade school or high school when you had that first puppy love and that person that walked into the room and all of a sudden your heart fluttered and you thought oh I'm in love I mean do you remember that yeah and then something happens where that feeling might flutter away and that person that you thought you were in love with you're not really in love with her at all in fact you can't stand her or him right See, there are some things that come that you just can't control. That puppy love feeling is, is a feeling that just comes. And no matter how bad you want to get it back, you just can't get it back the way it was when it was that butterfly feeling, right? 
And God doesn't tell us. He doesn't instruct us to have love that way. He doesn't instruct us to be thankful that way because there are some things that I just can't control. But I can't control my choices. I can't control my attitude. And that's what he says. When he gives a command to say, be thankful in all situations, no matter what happens, be thankful, that is a command that we can do. I can be thankful in all situations, no matter what I feel like. Because thankfulness is not a feeling. Thankfulness is a choice. Thankfulness is an intentional, purposeful attitude that I can control. may not be easy, but I can do it. You know, we talked last week about God's will. And we said in one passage that, in fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, do you believe that God's will can be multifaceted? Do you believe that God can have multiple faces to his will? Kind of like a beautifully cut diamond can have multiple faces to a beautifully cut diamond? Well, God's will also is for us to be thankful. We're to be set apart. We're to be sanctified. Clearly, that's God's will for his children is to be set apart from the world. We're to be set apart from anything that would make us look like the world. That's what sanctification is. Anything that would, that would line me up with the world, that people would look at me walking down the street and they would be confused as to, does this man live in the world or does this man live in the spiritual life, right? If there's any confusion, if my actions would say anything other than I'm living for Jesus, that would be a stumbling block issue. So my, it is God's will that we be set apart, that we be sanctified. And it is also God's will that we be thankful. No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you, that we be thankful. Does that make sense? Does it make sense how a thankful person can be set apart just like a sanctified person can be set apart? A thankful person is thankful for God's blessings, even though times are rough. A thankful person is thankful that I have air to breathe and I have sustenance to eat and I can walk and talk and, or I can push my wheelchair. Whatever I'm in, I'm thankful for it because I've got the ability to do whatever I'm doing. That's a thankful heart. Then we need to watch ourselves. We need to line our lives up with the Word so that we don't confuse people so that we can truly be set apart as thankful people. Paul talks to the, to the Ephesians about this very directly in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15, beginning at verse 15. He says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There it is. There's that question again. What is the Lord's will? All right, well, here we're going to answer it. He says, do not, get drunk with, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the, from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And then here's the big verse, verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to be wise how we live. Be careful how we live. 
Live a life of holiness. Live a life of righteousness. Live a life set apart, sanctified, and then live a, li- a life of thankfulness. I'm thankful that the Lord has called me his son this morning. Amen? Are you thankful he's called you a son or a daughter? Amen. Then we need to live like that. We need to live honoring our Father, that we don't bring him any type of uh, bad reputation, that we don't confuse people as to, well, what what does a child of God live like? Well, be wise. Don't be unwise. Don't be be drunk on wine and, and all the other stuff of the world, that worldly pleasures... Not to say worldly pleasures, we can't enjoy the world. We are, but we're not to be, we're not to be enjoying them um, at the expense of our compromise of our walk with Christ. I need to do it in a way that's righteous, a way that's holy, a way that's set apart. Amen? Really important that we grab that. And then the Bible has all other kinds of scriptures that tell us to be thankful. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 106, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And we could go on and on reading passages in God's word of thankfulness. In fact, if you want to go home this afternoon and do a word study, just, do a, just look up on the internet thankful, thankfulness in scriptures, and you'll find... A bunch. So I think we understand that we're supposed to do that, but why? Why are we supposed to be thankful? Well, there's two significant benefits, probably a bunch more, but two that I want to talk about. First of all, being thankful helps us to be content in our situation. Helps us to be content in our situation. The second thing that it does is it gives us a right basis Thankfulness gives us the right basis for our source of everything that we're blessed with. We talked about it a little bit today at Sunday School, about having faith. And uh, people have faith. And, and, and people can have faith in lots of things. But faith on itself isn't the answer. It's what is your faith in that's the answer. People don't have a problem in our society talking about God. In fact, God is used quite often. People will talk about God a lot. They'll t- and, and movie stars and people in high places will talk about God a lot without having really too much consternation about it because God can be almost anything. But you mention the word Jesus, and all of a sudden people cringe. You start throwing Jesus in there, and all of a sudden people get a little offended. Because now we're starting to talk about some identity. We're starting to put a face on God. God is Jesus, and Jesus is the one that defeated the enemy. And the enemy gets a little bit uh, upset when Jesus is being talked about, right? It's the same thing with faith, right? We can, I can have lots of faith. I can have faith that I'm going to have a great golf swing. There's nothing for my salvation whatsoever. And, and I can even have faith that we're going to have a great church, but it does nothing for my salvation unless my faith is on the source of Jesus. And having thankfulness in our life helps us keep our source identified is that we're thankful for Jesus, not just, we're just not thankful for some, some nebulous concept. No, my, my thankfulness is in Christ. He is my source. And so when I'm thankful, it helps me to recognize my source of everything, and then it becomes a lifestyle. Whenever we can make things a lifestyle, 
then we're getting it to the point where we're going to be pleasing to the Lord. Thankfulness is a choice. Yes, it's something I have to do. It's a choice that I can make. But I can choose to be thankful in all situations at all times. And so if I continue to choose that enough, then I will just have a lifestyle of being thankful for something. Powerful if we can get there. Right. Let's talk about contentment a little bit more. Contentment. Contentment means that I'm feeling or showing satisfaction with my possessions or my status or my situation in life. I'm feeling satisfaction with my possessions. I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at. I'm okay with my status. I'm okay with my situation. I'm content. I'm not striving to get more. I'm okay. I'm satisfied. And, you know, that can throw some funny um, thoughts in our mind because that almost sounds like I'm complacent. But contentment and complacency are not the same thing. Just so you know that. Let's make that definition real quick. Let's make that clarification. Complacency says I don't care. Contentment says I'm okay. Contentment says I'm okay because I know my source. Complacency says I can't get what I want anyway, so therefore I don't care about it. I'm just going to give up. Complacency says I'm I'm lazy. Complacency complacency says it's not really that important because I can't get there anyway, so rather than be embarrassed that I can't get there, I'm just going to give up on it and say I don't care, right? That's complacency. Contentment is not that way at all. Jesus was very content in who he was, but he was never complacent in who he was. That's, That's important. So being content is a command just as thankfulness is a command. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. The, the writer of Hebrews says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Keep your life free, not from money, but from the what? Is there a difference between money and the love of money? Can I have money and be content? And can I have a love of money and be content? No, not really. You ask any rich person, and he'll probably say, I don't have enough. I've got to get more. I've got to get more. Well, that person will not enjoy very long. He'll have moments of pleasure. I'm not going to lie to you. Money can give moments of pleasure. But is it the contentment that we truly want and truly need? No, it's not. Philippians chapter 4, another command that Paul gives us through the, through the Scripture. It says, beginning at verse 11, I have learned, this is Paul speaking, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? that I have learned, that there is a secret to being content. And Paul says, I've learned it. Because Paul was, had the ability, probably at one time, was a wealthy man. Before he was converted uh, on the road to Damascus, he was Saul, he was a Pharisee, he was a Jew of Jews. He probably was wealthy, or at least some wealth there. He probably was a married man at some point in time. He probably had all of life could give, have given him at some point in time in his life. So he knew what it was like to be in 
to have, not, to have need of nothing. And at the same time, we know through Scripture that we know he was shipwrecked a few times. He was beaten. He was left for dead. Uh, and when you're left for dead, basically you don't have a lot. <laughs> if they're going to stone you to the, think that, to the point that you're dead, you probably don't have a lot in your pockets. <laughs> so when you wake up, you probably don't have much. So he knows what it's like. And he said, I can be content in all situations. So it's a pattern here for us. Here to us, are we choosing? Can we choose and can we learn to be content in all of our situations regardless of our plenty or our little? And then the next passage that I'm going to read is even more incredible in that we can find great godly gain in our contentment. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. It says, Paul says to Timothy, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be what? Content. Let us be thankful. Let us be content. Why? Because God has given me enough. I mean, that's pleasure. There's, there's real pleasure there when I don't have to be struggling keeping up with my neighbors or I don't have to struggle keeping up with the guy on the job or my family members or whatever it is that I can be content in the position and the place of life that God has me in because he has a purpose for me right where I'm at. Even if you're sick and maybe have to go to the doctor, be content doesn't mean you don't pray for healing. It doesn't mean that you don't pray that God's going to bring you into fullness of health and keep you healthy until the day he takes you home. But be content in the process because he has something for you to do at the doctor's office. Somebody for you to speak to there that they can see your peace in the midst of your problems. You have stage four cancer of some type. You go into the doctor's office and you're at peace and you're sitting there next to the person that's in that same waiting room for his treatment and he's all nervous thinking, I'm going to die. And you say, ah, let's pray. Let's pray. And all of a sudden you, you show him what it is to be godly in the, in, in, the, in the midst of your test. That's contentment. It's not complacency. You're not giving up. No, you just have your source identified as your source of your life is not on your health. Your source of your life is on Jesus, and you're willing to share it. Now, all of a sudden, you are a minister of the gospel, and you are, and you are doing the Great Commission. You are going into all the world, and you are preaching the gospel, and you're discipling people because you're showing them what it is to be content in a hard situation, and you're thankful for the life that you have. That's blessing. There's purpose there. There's power. There's eternal rewards there. That's being heavenly effective through earthly relevance. That's living out the mission statement that says, I'm laying my, store, I'm laying my treasures in store in, in heaven where nothing can destroy them. And I'll easily give up things here as I'm relevant here to people. It's powerful stuff. See, God works in the life of humble people. He works in a life of humble people. Humble people are broken people. Humble people are those that know how to be content with the little that they have. Amen? 
They can, they can be contented there, and they can have a true contentment, not just a put-on as a way to uh, help you deal with your true envy because you don't want to show your envy, so you're just going to pretend you're content. No, I'm really talking about change your life. Change your heart. Change your attitude. Say, God, if, you, if this is what you're giving me, then I'm going to be a steward of it, and I'm going to be the best steward I can be of it, and I'm going to tithe off it, I'm going to give off it, I'm going to work off it, and I'm going to be content with it. You, and you do that. You speak to yourself that way, and all of a sudden, you're going to have a heart change. And life now is going to take on a different pattern for you. And you're going to enjoy life at a whole different level. It's a powerful concept. I read a devotional this week um, from James McDonald, and I, I like a lot of the things that James McDonald says. He's a very direct uh, speaker, and he can say things kind of like uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, very truthful ways, but yet in a way that it doesn't offend, even though it's the truth. I wish I could do that. <laughs> I typically offend. Uh, they can say it in a way and say, give me more. <laughs> but anyway, James McDonald talks about contentment, and he says there's three ways for us to choose to be content, right? And I want to just share a little bit about what he said. Number one, we're to seek it. We're to seek contentment. Now, typically when you seek something, that typically, typically bring, it typically brings angst and nervousness and tension because you're seeking something. But he's saying, and I believe it, seek contentment. Seek it as a lifestyle. Choose it over being envious or covetous of something or someone else's riches. I'm going to choose to be content. I'm going to acknowledge that I would not be happier if I had more. I would not be happier. Listen to this. I would not be happier if I had more. That goes against culture, doesn't it? Typically, culture says, no, the more you get, the happier you, happier you are. But James says, he just says it. No, you wouldn't be. <laughs> you wouldn't be happier with more. You'd be likely be more miserable. You know, um, Having more can be a problem. It can be a real issue of confusion of who owns who. Um, my dad would say, as, you know, my dad was an interesting guy. I, I, I've learned a lot from him and his mistakes and in, and, in, and in the right things that he did. He did he'd made a lot of both. And uh, I can remember um, he, had, uh, he had quite a bit of stuff that he had earned. And uh, I can remember him working on the belly of the boat one time in the engine of the boat that he had, the salty pepper. And I was helping him, and it was a diesel and two engines on the bottom, and it's oily and smelly and dirty down there. And I, can, I was helping him, uh, helping him do some stuff. And he said, I'm not sure who, who owns who. Do I own this boat, or does this boat own me? <laughs> you know, because I, this boat can do nothing on its own. <laughs> if I'm the guy that's got to fix it. It can't fix itself. You know, so he was grumbling about how he, all this stuff he had, it was stuff he had to take care of. Well, sometimes we just have to recognize that sometimes too much is not good. Timothy says this in uh, reading later on, or, or continuing on in 1 Timothy chapter, we read verses 8 through 9. Now let's read 9 through 10 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people crave money. Some people craving money have wandered from the truth and the faith 
and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Yeah. So let's just know that we can just seek contentment. The, other, the, the second thing that he said is that we are to say it. We're to say it. We're to seek it. We're to say it. Cultivate, cultivate the capacity to say, I have enough. Say it out loud. Say it with me. I have enough. I have enough. I have enough. Practice hearing yourself say the words and let them sink in that you can say, no, I have enough. Recognizing that more is not necessarily better. In fact, many times more is bad. (laughs) Now, we're just coming off Thanksgiving season, right? And I would have done well if I would have practiced this on Thursday. (laughs) No, I've had enough. I don't need the pie, <laughs> right? And, and if we, we, it would do well if we would practice that, quite honestly, on a regular basis at the table. No, I've had enough. Thank you. I, I'm content. I, I'm not stuffed. I'm content. I mean, if I could get to that point on a regular basis and make it a lifestyle, my wife would stop telling me, Mike, stop eating, okay? If I could just do it on my own, it would be so much better, Um, But I need to learn to push the plate away. I need to learn to push the pocketbook away. I need to learn to push all the love of money away. Amen? The the love for more. It's not always good. I have enough. It runs counter to our culture to say that. And when you start saying that, people are going to look at you like, what's wrong with you? And you can say, oh, nothing. I I just, my source is not this. My source is in Jesus. And okay, and just start living that way. All right, the third thing he says is settle it. Settle it. So we seek it, we say it, and we settle it. Psalm 62, verse 10. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. So maybe what we should do is settle on a lifestyle irregardless of how much you could afford. Right? Settle on a lifestyle that you're comfortable with and be content there and live there no matter how much money you have. That way, if you can get to that point, that way it's, I will tell you that it's easier to give your money to places that need it. It's easier to tithe and go above your tithe, to go above your requirement, because tithe is a requirement, by the way. You need to know that, right? We know that in this church. It's a requirement. It's not an option. It's not your money. You're gonna, God's going to get it one way or the other. So you're better off just to give it to him willingly and joyfully so that he can bless it. But it's, that 10% is his. In fact, 100% of it is his, right? So when I can settle it in my mind that it doesn't make any difference if I get that promotion. It doesn't make any difference if I get that big raise. It doesn't make any difference if I get that big blessing. I'm not going to spend it on worldly stuff because I don't need it. I'm content with what I have. And when I can live that way, Man, you have, you, you have life figured out differently than the rest of the world figures it out. Settle it. Choose a lifestyle. Don't let your income dictate your choices. Choose a comfortable level of living that meets your needs and do not compromise that with more spending, you'll get more pleasure. You may get it for the moment, but it's not going to last. We all have had buyer's remorse, haven't we? Amen. So let me begin pulling this all together here. To be thankful and to be content acknowledges God as the only source of life 
that is worth following. When I can be thankful and content, it's acknowledging the fact that God is the only source that is worth chasing, the only source that is worth following after, because he's the source of all that I have. He's the source, and he's aware of it, and he's, and he's very much aware of where you're at in your situation of life, too. He's not going to leave you wanting. Let's, let's finish the passage we started reading in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 through 6, the Living Bible says, For God has said, for God has said, I will never, never fail you or forsake you. That is why we can say without doubt or fear, the Lord is my helper, and I am not afraid of anything that a mere man can do to me. You struggle with fear, you struggle with doubt. What's your source? What's your source? You want to find a life that is fear, fearless and doubtless? Then keep your source, Christ, recognizing that he says he will never, never fail you or forsake you. Philippians 4.13, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's not through me. It's through Christ. So how do we apply this today? How do we apply this in our life today? How do we apply this in the life of our church today? You know, we're still talking about a youth pastor. We're still talking about a family life minister. I'm not sure what you want to call him or her or them. But, you know, we're still looking at that as a necessary part of our church because we want to grow families. We want to focus on families. In the meantime, I can be content and thankful for what the Lord has given us. I'm very thankful for you. I'm very content being your pastor. But I'm not going to allow that to limit what God wants to do in our church, right? I can have peace in the process of this. And that's what we're doing. We're having peace in the process. So as we pray for our church, as we pray for our, ourselves, we just need to recognize that we need to keep our eyes focused on Christ and not on the situation and not be this impossibleness of what it appears to be because nothing is impossible with God. Amen? And so this is an opportunity as well that maybe you have a struggle, something going on in your life. Maybe your health isn't quite where it should be. Maybe there's some financial issues. Maybe there's some family stress. This is the time to leave it here as well. So as Jackie comes and the team and we prepare for communion today, I want to allow this as an opportunity to heal. There's healing in the blood of Christ. Amen? We know that. Now let's practice it. and Let's apply it in our life. And let's look for areas where God is going to restore and redeem and put back together the chaos or the mess that we may find ourselves in. And we can be content and we can be thankful and all that. Oh, Jesus, we come to you today and we really do thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, Lord, we say the word so easily it rolls off our tongue and we may not even mean it. But, Lord, I'm asking now that when we say the words that we truly, truly, truly mean it, that we are choosing to say thank you to the best that we can and help us in the areas that we're struggling.
Thank you for life. Thank you for health. Thank you for the breath that I'm taking right now. Thank you that my heart is beating and I don't even feel it. Thank you for that, that my lungs are breathing and, I'm, and, and that exchange of, is happening in my body of air and CO2 and all this stuff that's going on chemically. Thank you that you've put it all in order. Lord, and thank you for my finances. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our freedoms. Thank you for our food. Thank you for everything you've given us that we can truly look to you as our source. And then help us to be content in these things, God. Help us, Jesus, to be content knowing that we are a son of the Most High, that our name is written in the book of life, that our hope is not based on this world, that our hope is truly set on things above, that our eyes are set above. And so, Lord, as we just come to you, Father, we are just asking that you be the center of our attention today. You be the center of our attention. And we thank you in Jesus' name.